For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom, I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, the Feast of of Shavuot. Yeshua gives the Torah at Mount Sinai. This is part two of the series. Let's look at another aspect and understanding how we can see that Messiah is not only in covenant relationship with the literal house of Jacob, but he's in covenant relationship with the redeemed house of Jacob as well. How is Messiah in covenant relationship with the literal house of Jacob? Because he gave the Torah to the literal house of Jacob at Mount Sinai. The literal house of Jacob is likened unto an olive tree. In Jeremiah chapter 11, verse Verses 16 and 17, it is written, The Lord called your name a green olive tree, and the branches of it are broken. Who's this olive tree? Jeremiah 11, verse 17. For the Lord of hosts that planted you has pronounced evil against you for the evil of the house of Israel and the house of Judah. So the house of Israel and the house of Judah, the two houses of Israel, are called an olive tree. Their branches are broken. How are these broken branches going to get mended? It is through the redemptive work of the Messiah, and that's what Paul explains in Romans in chapters 9, 10, and 11. And looking at the olive tree from Jeremiah 11, verses 16 and 17, we now see that the literal house of Jacob, they are likened unto an olive tree. This natural olive tree, or the literal house of Jacob, are the people who are at Mount Sinai that the Messiah makes covenant with and gives the Torah unto. Exodus chapter 19 verse 3, Moses went up unto God and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel. Who was there at Mount Sinai? Well, it's traditionally in our religious minds that the ones who were there at Mount Sinai were in what we call in our religious minds the Jewish people. And what we need to understand is who was there are the literal descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob from which the Jewish people come. And also, we are told in Exodus chapter 12 verses 37 and 38 that a mixed multitude came out of Egypt with the literal and physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Exodus chapter 12 verse 37 And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkot, about 600,000 on foot that were men besides children. And a mixed multitude 
food went up also with them in flocks and herds and very much cattle. So who's the house of Jacob at Mount Sinai? They consist of the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the mixed multitude. Well, how do these mixed multitude who are not physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, how is this mixed multitude also called the house of Jacob? That is because they were the whosoever's that the God of Israel invites to be a part of his covenant when he offers redemption to his people. He at the same time when he offers redemption to his people, he makes it available to everyone on the earth who are classified as whosoever. So the mixed multitude are strangers, sojourners. They were adopted or they were grafted in. Now, we need to also realize that the name of the redeemed covenant family in Messiah is also the house of Jacob, but in Messiah, all those who accept him as Messiah, they're his redeemed family. And who are those people on the earth who accept Yeshua as the Messiah? Jew and non-Jew. Here, the name of his family is called the house of Jacob, or we need to understand it as the redeemed house of Jacob. Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he, that is the Messiah, shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. This is the redeemed house of Jacob. And of his kingdom there will be no end. The redeemed house of Jacob in Romans 11 is likewise likened unto an olive tree. And in Romans chapter 11, this olive tree, and the olive tree is called Israel. Israel is called the olive tree. They consist of wild branches and natural branches that are broken. Who are these natural branches that are broken? We saw earlier in Jeremiah 11 verses 16 and 17 it's the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In looking at Romans chapter 11 we see that both the wild branches and the natural branches we're told that when they accept Yeshua as the Messiah we're told that both of them are grafted in. In the name for this grafting process, the word that is in English that refers to a grafting of a stock, it is spelled in English F-C-I-O-N a C-I-O-N is the word in English that means a grafted stock. We could also render this and we could also pronounce it as Zion. Zion. The Zion that the God of Israel is redeeming his people, they are a grafted people that consist of wild branches and natural branches. In Romans 11:17, we're told how the wild branches are grafted into the olive tree, which means they're grafted into the covenant, the renewed covenant that was made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Romans 11:17. if some of the branches are broken off and you being a wild olive tree was grafted in among them and with them you partake if you partake then you are of the family if you partake you live according to the rules and regulations of the family that is specified by the father of the family who is the God of Israel communicated through the Messiah you partake of the root and the fatness of the olive tree a Romans chapter 11 verse 24 but if you were cut out of the olive tree which is wild by 
by nature and you were grafted in contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, notice the natural branches when they believe, they are grafted into their own olive tree. So both the wild branches and the natural branches are grafted into this redeemed olive tree in Yeshua the Messiah. The renewed covenant was made only with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 31 says, Behold the days come, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant. And if you look that up in Hebrew, it actually means renewed covenant. I will make a renewed covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Why is it renewed? Because the original was made at Mount Sinai and it was broken. And so he's got to renew it. And in renewing it, it's still got to be a Torah-based covenant. But it says in Ezekiel 36 verses 26 and 27 that he's got to, in the renewed covenant, put his Holy Spirit within us and cause us or help us to keep the commandments of the God of Israel and have a heart for keeping his commandments because with the renewed covenant he gives a heart of flesh, a soft heart unto his people rather than a stony heart. Now in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 8 I want you to notice very carefully the verse says for finding fault with them. It does not say he found fault with the covenant which is really how it's taught in traditional Christianity. He did away with the old because that was a bad covenant. There was something wrong with the covenant so we had to bring in a renewed covenant well the problem wasn't with the covenant the problem is with the hearts of the people finding fault with them he said behold the days come says the lord when i will make a new or a renewed covenant with the house of israel and with the house of judah notice then that the olive tree of romans 11 it is a redeemed people in messiah it's a redeemed house of jacob that also is likened unto an olive tree this is an olive tree where those who are members are grafted in and it consists of the redeemed house of Israel the redeemed house of Judah just like historically when the God of Israel redeemed his people from Egypt the physical descendants of Abraham Isaac and Jacob and all and the whosoever's that put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost could join in that is exactly the same in the renewed covenant that all the whosoever's that want to be a part of this renewed covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah are able to be partakers of this renewed covenant and thus they will be following the same rules and regulations, the same commandments that the God of Israel makes with the people who are in covenant relationship with him. We need to realize also that the church was born at Mount Sinai. In going to church in traditional Christianity from the time I was a little boy, they taught me that the church was born in Acts chapter 2. Actually, it was not born in Acts chapter 2. It was reborn in Acts chapter 2. It was originally born at Mount Sinai. How do we understand this? Well, in Acts chapter 7, verse 36 and verse 38, it speaks about the church being in the wilderness, referring to Mount Sinai. So the church, which means a called out assembly of people is the meaning of the word. This called out assembly of people is in the wilderness at Mount Sinai. And this is who the God of Israel, that is, 
is the Messiah uh, makes covenant with. And this is who he gives the Torah unto. Acts 7, 36 and 38. He brought them out. After that, he had showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles, that is the Torah, to give unto us. In looking at Acts chapter 7 verse 38 where it is rendered the church in the wilderness, the Strong's number is 1,577. It is the Greek word ekklesia. And ekklesia means a called out assembly. And if you look up the definition in the concordant, it will tell you that the definition could be referring to an assembly of Israelites referring back to the time in the wilderness and to use the terms that we use in, in our world, an assembly of Christians, that is believers in Yeshua as the Messiah. So whether it's referring back to the time in the wilderness, that is the literal house of Jacob, or the believers in the Messiah, the redeemed house of Jacob, this word ecclesia can refer to either one because it just means they called out assembly. And looking at this definition in a Thayer's Greek lexicon of the New Testament that is coded to the Strong's, it will give you in the definition of ecclesia, which is church, it will tell you it corresponds to the Hebrew kahal. And it says in the Septuagint, which is the Hebrew scriptures that was translated into Greek, where in the Hebrew you have the word kahal, it was translated in the Septuagint as being ecclesia. Now what we're going to do with that that being the case, we're going to look at three examples in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 9 verse 10, Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 4, and Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 16, where we're told that the event that happens at Mount Sinai, it is called in the King James translation the day of the assembly, but the word assembly is kahal, and the word kahal is equivalent to ekklesia, which we render ekklesia into the English as church, so this could be translated in Deuteronomy as the day of the ecclesia, if we're referring to and speaking and translating it into Greek, or we could say the day of the church. Why did the King James use the softer translation and rendition and use the word assembly rather than church? Why do they use the softer word? Because if you explicitly say church, that is going to throw into traditional Christian theology because we traditionally think of church as New Testament we translate the word as church in the Tanakh, in the Hebrew scriptures, then that brings up all types of theological questions which they wanted to steer away from and being able to answer the questions that people could have concerning that. And so they just rendered it instead of the day of the church, they rendered it the day of the assembly. But the word kahal means an assembly. It can mean a congregation. It means an organized body of people. So let's see, linking the word church in English, which is in Greek, ecclesia, and Hebrew is kahal. Let's see where the word kahal appears in the Tanakh or the Hebrew scriptures. To begin with, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 35 and verses 10 and 11, which says, And God said unto him, Your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called anymore Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. 
a nation and a company of nations is what the King James says. A nation and a company of nations shall be of you and kings shall come out of your loins. The word company is the Hebrew word kahal, which is equivalent to ecclesia, which is equivalent to church. So therefore it said of Jacob that a church of nations, an assembly of nations, a congregation of nations shall be of you. The Torah was given to the kahal in the wilderness. Acts chapter 7 verse 38 once again refers to as the church in the wilderness. So where do we see in the Torah that the people in the wilderness are referred to as the church in the wilderness, the kahal in the wilderness? Deuteronomy chapter 9 verse 10. And the Lord delivered unto me two tables of stone written with the finger of God and on them was written according to all the words which the Lord spake with you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly in the day of the kahal or we could say in the day of the church so the event at Mount Sinai is the day of the church the birth of the nation of Israel as a covenant corporate people called the house of Jacob Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 4 and he wrote on the tables according to the first writing the ten commandments which the Lord spake unto you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly and the Lord gave them unto me the day of the kahal the day of the ecclesia the day of the church Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 16 according to all that you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb that is Mount Sinai in the day of the assembly the day of the kahal the day of the ecclesia the day of the church saying let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire anymore, that I die not. Therefore, we have seen now that the house of Jacob, called the Kahal, or in Greek, Ecclesia, called the church, they are born at Mount Sinai. But they broke the covenant, ultimately. And in breaking the covenant, the God of Israel is going to renew the covenant. And the renewed covenant is the Holy Spirit indwelling His people, causing them to keep his commandments and statutes Ezekiel 36 verses 26 and 27 so therefore the church or the kahal is reborn in Acts chapter 2 and according to Jeremiah 31 31 and Hebrews in chapter 8 this is the Torah written upon our hearts now we want to see this connection with Yeshua to giving the Torah at Mount Sinai so far we have shown that Israel, Torah, and the Messiah are one, that there's a literal house of Jacob, there's a redeemed house of Jacob. The literal house of Jacob was born at Mount Sinai, and they are reborn as the redeemed house of Jacob in Acts in chapter 2. Through the prophecy of the Torah written upon our hearts, Jeremiah 31, 31, and Hebrews in chapter 8, as prophesied in Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27. Now let's look how Yeshua is related and associated with the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. In order to paint this picture, we're going to see how it is actually Yeshua who makes a covenant with Abraham. Let's see how this is so. Genesis 
chapter 12 and verse 1 and verse 3. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house unto a land that I will show you. And I will bless them that bless you and curse him that curses you. And in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. So it said unto Abram that in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now if we look at Psalm 72 verses 1 and 2 and verse 17, we are going to be told here that all men are going to be blessed in the king's son. Give the king your judgments, O God, in your righteousness unto the king's son. Who's the king? We call that Yahweh the Father. Who's his son, which means he's a faithful servant, obedient to the will of the Father. That is the Messiah. He, that is the king's son, shall judge your people with righteousness and your poor with judgment. When's he doing this? During the Messianic era, it says that he's going to judge righteously the people on the earth. His name, Psalm 72, verse 17, his name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the son. Whose name? The king's son. And men shall be blessed in him. Who? The king's son. And all nations shall call him blessed. All nations are calling who blessed? The king's son. So in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, it is said that all families of the earth will be blessed in Abraham. And here in Psalm 72, all nations are being blessed in the king's son. How can that be said? Because they're in covenant with each other. Yeshua makes a covenant with Abraham, as we can further tell in Genesis 17, verse 1. It says, When Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Where you see here Almighty God, that is in the Hebrew, El Shaddai. Now let's look how Yeshua is described in Revelation chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Behold, he comes with clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him even so amen this is speaking about Yeshua Revelation 1 8 I am Alpha and the Omega who's the Alpha and the Omega Yeshua the beginning he's the Reshit and the ending says the Lord the Lord that is Yahweh which is which was which is to come and that is how you would render Yahweh it means to be eternally existent the one which is which was which is to come so Yeshua, who is Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, he is the Almighty, who is El Shaddai. And El Shaddai is the one that makes a covenant with Abraham. Let's further see this by cross-referencing Genesis chapter 17, verses 7 and 8, and Galatians chapter 3. Genesis 17, verses 7 and 8 says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your seed, singular, after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto you and to your seed, singular, after you. And I will give unto you in your seed, singular, after you, the land where you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Galatians 3.16 is quoting Genesis 17, verse 7, and Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, right, now to Abraham and his seed, making mention of what it said in Genesis 17 verse 7, were the promises made. Genesis 17 7 does not say seeds as of many, but as of one and your seed, which is Messiah. Galatians 3.29 If you be Messiah, then are you Abraham's seed and an heir according to the promise. That being the case, 
seeing that it's the Messiah who's making a covenant with Abraham, let's see how the one that's making a covenant with Abraham is described when he's making the covenant in Genesis chapter 15, verse 17. It says, It came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between the pieces. The one that's making the covenant with Abraham, who is the Messiah, when he's making the covenant, he's called a smoking furnace. Now let's see how things are described with the events at Mount Sinai. In Exodus chapter 19 verse 18 it says, And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. So at Mount Sinai, with the presence of the Messiah, he's described as a smoking furnace, the same way he's described in Genesis chapter 15 when he makes a covenant with Abraham. Well, that's going to conclude part two of the series on the subject, The Feast of Shavuot. Yeshua gives the Torah at Mount Sinai. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebrews.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.